Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. When Guy Relford fills in, we put him to work. Guy Relford filling in for Nigel today on the Hammer and Nigel show, and it's time to ask the gun guy. So if you're on hold right now, this is how it's going to work. We are going to try to get to as many calls as we can. Just be brief. Get your question out there quickly. We don't have time for a 15-minute story. And the best damn two-way attorney in America, a man who has written law in this state when it comes to the Second Amendment, will answer your questions. All right, Dan, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Get us going, my man. Yeah, really quick. I'm getting ready to get a handgun for the first time. I'm very familiar with rifles and shotguns. But uh, handguns, I'm not. So I'm wanting to get some get his opinion on proper uh, training for handling the gun, uh, best type of gun for carrying and home protection, or one or the other? Yeah, no, I, it's a great question, and I'll tell you what, there are some great instructors around Indy. I'm not doing the, the entry-level pistol training anymore. I did it for a long, a really long time, but... Um, Someplace, for instance, like Indy Arms has a great training program. They'll have like introduction to handgun, and then you can go on to take a class like defensive uh, handgun, and they've got various levels of that. But that's just one place. And uh, there are a lot of other places that have really good training right here in the area. Uh, but um, just by way of example, I'd check out IndyArms.com, and I know those instructors there, and they do a really nice job. Jeff, you are next up. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show, Jeff. we got Guy Relford here. Hey, Guy. Um, just had a real quick question here in Indiana. What is the difference between open carry and concealed carry? I've got a, a lifetime carry permit, um, and I've had some restaurants and businesses that have said, nope, sorry, you can't come in, you're, you, you're carrying a gun. And they send me back out and so... Just sure. Wanted to see what that was. Well, whether it's um, with a license to carry handgun, which which you and I have, or under constitutional carry, which we've had since last year, you can carry either openly or concealed in Indiana. However, a business has um, the right to set whatever policy they want about your possession of a firearm in their business. So they can have a no gun policy. You walk in there, if you're open carrying and they see you're carrying a gun, they can go, hey, you, you can't eat in here or you can't shop in here or whatever it may be. Uh, of course, if you're carrying concealed and violating their policy, they're much less likely to realize that. But in Indiana, you're not breaking the law if you violate um, a business's no gun policy. Uh, for instance, my client, um, Eli Dickin, and it was a hero with the Greenwood Park Mall shooting. Um, he was in a mall where they have a no weapons policy, the Greenwood Park Mall. At the same time, you know, he chose to, to violate that because he wasn't breaking the law in any way. And thank God he did because now dozens and dozens of people are, are, are alive because um, he was a hero that day that stopped a mass shooting in 15 seconds. Cameron, you are next up. We've got Guy Relford here. Go ahead. Uh, just a uh, quick question. Kind of to back on to the uh, last guy's question, how you've got a place that's got a, a policy with no guns. Let's say uh, it's not a policy. Let's say it's a law. Let's say you've got a guy who's a serious violent felon who's in possession of a firearm at the time of not a mass casualty, but let's say a, uh, a uh, homegrown terrorist attack. And that person who's not supposed to have a firearm, 
that is in possession of the firearm stops the threat. Um, What's your thoughts on any forthcoming charges on that individual? Well, I'll tell you exactly how the law works in that situation, and that is that um, you don't lose your right to defend yourself or defend other people because you're illegally carrying a gun. If I'm a serious violent felon, so under both state and federal law, I can't possess a gun. If I'm walking around the circle here and, and, and somebody tries to kill me, I can defend myself. And I don't commit murder if I otherwise lawfully and justifiably defend myself, uh, but I could still go to jail for possession of a gun by a serious violent felon. In other words, I didn't lose my right to defend myself or defend my right to to defend somebody else, um, so I don't go to jail for murder, but I can go to jail for the original crime I'm committing, which is possession of a gun by a prohibited possessor. The dead bad guy is irrelevant. It's just the gun charge. It's just the gun charge. That's right. It's no different than if I didn't use force and self-defense and just got caught with a gun so we've got uh john doe who wants to come on and ask you a question guy go ahead john all right first and foremost it's a pleasure talking to you guys it's an honor my question is centered around the center township constable's office what is your input on the situation where their radio communications have been taken away and the constables uh that are out doing their job uh, have no radio communications amongst themselves. Do you feel that may be an officer safety risk? Uh, yeah, I think anytime you interfere with officer communications, I mean, they rely on that. I mean, that's one of the big part of their training is acting in a coordinated fashion and appropriately uh, communicating. Uh, and interference with police communication uh, can actually constitute a crime to the extent you're interfering with police activity. David, you are next up. We got Guy Relford here. Go ahead, David. Okay, it's strictly a hypothetical question. It's more of a bringing awareness of what is possibly going to happen. As I live out in the country, my wife and I, we're both close to retirement, so we're elderly. And uh, I, I think this jihadist insanity is eventually going to reach out and go, go insane. Um, defense of my home. Uh, I'm a shoot first i'm not gonna let somebody harm me or take a take a shot if i feel threatened i'm shooting i'm shooting first well the rules change for defending your home in other words feeling threatened or, or or protecting yourself against serious injury uh or the commission of what's called a forcible felony those can be requirements being out in public in order to use deadly force in self-defense, but in the home, the rules are different. That's why we call it the castle doctrine, because you can simply defend your home, and you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to either prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack on your dwelling. That's your home. So you don't have to you don't have to see a weapon. You don't have to fear being injured. Um, if someone's illegally, it's, it's a critical point can't be someone who has a key that you've given to or their name's on the lease or on the deed or whatever. But if they're illegally attacking your home or breaking into your home, uh, the, the statute uh, says you can defend your home with uh, with deadly force, and that's legal and it's justified. All right, we got one minute left. Tom, if you can make it quick, we'll get you in, brother. Go ahead. we got Guy Relford okay. here. Okay, real quick. Um, I purchased a handgun a couple of years ago at Premier Arms. I, I'm I want to transfer that weapon to my son who lives in Tampa, Florida. I'm going to be traveling to 
Tampa in December uh, for Christmas. I'm going to carry it in my baggage in a locked case in my, in my check baggage. But um, I just want to make sure I got this right. Can I take that gun to an FFL down there and have that legally transferred to him? Yeah, you can't. Uh, and so you're all over this. You can't directly transfer a firearm to a citizen of another state. Um, so it needs to go through an FFL. If you didn't, if since you're transferring it to him anyway, and since you know it has to go through an FFL in Florida, what well, would be a lot easier uh, than dealing with the? Because and I've done the TSA check-in thing a million times. Um, sometimes it goes smoothly. Sometimes it's a pain in the butt. But what you could do is simply take it to an FFL at where you live, have them ship it to an FFL near him, that he can go in and fill out the 4473, go through the background check, and pick up the gun. That way, you don't have to worry about traveling with it. And you don't have to worry about taking it into an FFL in Florida. Thank you for all of your calls. Guy Relford, thank you.